0: This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Flowers for the table are a delight, and perhaps never more so than at special occasions. And this time of year, special occasions are lined up like pearls on a festive holiday necklace. Max Gill is a creative floral design force, and he joins us this week to talk about his garden and floral design journey and life. For Max, his connection to the garden, and the garden as inspiration for his floral work helps ground him and recalibrate his nervous system. It helps him find healing from the challenges of the world. As designer of the weekly flowers at Alice Waters' Chez Panisse restaurant in Berkeley for the past decade, Max shares some thoughts with us about doing flowers for the table. His insights can teach us all a thing or two. He joins us today via Skype. Welcome, Max.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Let's get started with you describing what, what do you do in floral and event design currently, Max?
1: My business is split up into a couple of different categories, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I obviously do the, the flowers weekly at the, the restaurant at Chez Panisse. And then I have uh, seasonal work doing weddings. Uh, I have some private clients that I do their homes, uh, sometimes weekly, um, sometimes when they're just in town, um, and also do uh, their event work. So, so when they throw parties like Christmas galas or fundraisers, I'll I'll do the flowers for those as well.
0: Mm-hmm. You are doing big arrangements, you're doing multiple small arrangements, you're doing... Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, for weddings, it's, it's very job-to-job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sort of depends on the clients and their vision and their aesthetic sensibilities. Um, for clients also, that can vary greatly job-to-job. There may be like floral installations that... Um, I recently did a, a cocktail party for a client, and there weren't really seated. There wasn't there wasn't seating, mm-hmm. so it was much more about floral installations and large peripheral arrangements.
0: So I think that you're also a home gardener. I'd love for you to describe right. your your home garden and your kind of current home garden practice, and maybe how the two things, your professional work and your home garden life, how they interface with one another if they do.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yes, I do. Um, I currently live in um, my childhood house. Uh, So I've Actually, been working that dirt since I was about fourteen. I think oh, that's so great. Um, uh, it's a it's a pretty big piece of property. The house is on a double lot, so the garden's a whole legal lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so roughly roughly nine hundred square feet. I think. In the busier season, I'm I'm certainly not out there as much as I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always say that my my work in floral design started in the garden. Um, it's absolutely where my interest in floral design began. Um, it certainly has had a huge, like the the process of watching things grow, uh, and in particular, um, watching things struggle, <laughs> has had a, a huge influence on my design sensibility. Mm. Um, I often design trying to sort of replicate something I've seen in nature, some, some experience, some small vignette, some, um, response to circumstances, Mm -hmm. so something, uh, reaching for the light or being sort of windswept or, um, those, those sort of little botanical dramas that happen in the garden and in nature are particularly compelling to me. And that's that's usually what I'm trying to celebrate or represent or explore in my design work. When, when I have the opportunity, that's not always appropriate to the client.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'll, I'll say that first, that you know, my work is, uh, it's very service oriented. So first and foremost, I'm hoping to make the client happy yeah with what I do. And most often I get to be happy in the end too.
0: That's certainly what it seems like. I, I love that description of the little dramas in the garden that you're trying to sort of express in in your floral design work. And at this point in your career, I think it's fair to say, at least from the outside, that your clients know who you are and they choose you for these reasons. And so I can't imagine a client coming to you and saying, you know. Can you do something that's completely different than your style? They love your style and that that sense of of drama and kind of vignette taken from the garden and living nature world into your design work is clearly evident in the work that I have seen of yours at Shea Panisse. Mm. But before we get there, let's go back to something you've already touched on, which is that your design creativity was sparked in that soil that you're working, um, Mm -hmm. since you were a young person, walk us through your early influences that, that sort of brought you along and got you to this point, Max.
1: Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I think that, you know, while maybe not my design sensibility, certainly my, um, my need to be out, in nature
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh started very early. I, I spent the first twelve years of my life in upstate New York, uh, Buffalo actually. Wow. But cold. My, <laughs> yes, cold. Um, but really very distinct seasons. Mm-hmm. Um which was a fun process to to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we spent summers up in the Adirondack Mountains. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, my, my earliest, um, ex- like explorations and sense of community, uh, we, we owned, um, what used to be a hotel with, with four other families. So it was like this whole summer long, um, community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my earliest sense of that um, really revolved around the natural world and, um, you know, finding, uh, solace and comfort in, in, um uh, the outdoors.
2: Yeah.
0: That's funny that you, you, you said that about the, the summers in the Adirondacks in this hotel with these four other families. And I can just, my head automatically goes to just a lot of energy and laughing and food and and <laughs> activity exactly. and yes. that communal sense that is almost kind of a party and you know which most of us know some sense of in any kind of family reunion situation were there were there elements from your your family or this extended experience that that maybe were influences in in doing flowers for the table or the home or creating gardens as well as just that outdoor influence of the adirondacks and buffalo i
1: you know i none of my family members are into gardening at all oh, um i actually i don't know that it did honestly i so this this backyard that i've been working for god I don't even want to say over 30 years. Um, e, 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 when we first moved in here, the entire backyard was like blackberries. And after we got, after I got rid of the blackberries, it, it turned out that it was Bermuda grass underneath that.
0: Um, <laughs> One invasive <so. laughs> for another.
1: <laughs> totally. Um, and so I, I spent – I, I found – that I've uh a lot of grounding in getting my hands in the dirt. Um, I, I definitely worked out a lot of teenage angst mm-hmm. back there. <laughs> um and that that's that's really continued. I'm I'm almost like not comfortable unless there's dirt under my nails. Uh, that's that's followed me into into later in life that um I just it's the gardens like my church it's my therapist it's my gym <laughs> yeah. it's um it's uh, for a long time now served all those purposes yeah. uh, and i i like it's undeniable for me that spending time in the dirt grounds me in a way mm-hmm. or recalibrates my nervous system somehow um it's really vital for me yeah. on the, uh, uh, to just maintain some some connection there.
0: I love that. I, I work out a lot of adult angst in the garden too. <laughs> 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 so you're you're somewhere between twelve and fourteen. You relocate to the Bay Area from Buffalo you you get your hands in the soil and i love that the the blackberries and then the bermuda gla- grass definitely lays the the groundwork as it were for the struggles some of the struggles yeah. you were talking about what 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 puts you on a journey to becoming a floral designer as well as clearly gardening being part of who you are at kind of a cellular level uh, because I think you also did uh, your undergraduate work in environmental science. Walk us through those next did. stages. yeah?
1: Did. Um, well, and I would also say, too, that I earlier in life, I, I really um, also was always doing something creative, like, um, you know, could lose myself for hours drawing or painting or mm-hmm. playing with clay. Um so that I guess that laid some groundwork too mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. as well, um, and then you know understanding that I I love to work in the soil and that you know for for many years was really about trying to manage what was happening in the backyard. It wasn't really about buying plants. Or exploring this sort of passion for all things botanical mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't really until I started working at Chez Panisse and my predecessor there, Carrie Glenn, very often would uh, use nurseries as a resource and buy um, somewhat showy plants to cut and use in the arrangements at Chez Panisse. and uh, and she would usually throw away the the root mass, and it was often like a five gallon pot. Mm. After she saw me digging them out of the dumpster, <laughs> <laughs> she um, started giving them to me. And it was ki- around that time that I understood that floral design could support my gardening habit in a way. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was gardening had been something that I had done for so long, seemingly to no specific end. And it, there was just some way that, that I was like, oh, this, this actually might go somewhere. This could go, you know, the idea of growing to cut and use and arrangements was, was really compelling.
0: Yeah. So what put you in a position that you were digging plants out of the dumpster at Chez Panisse? Were you working at the restaurant in some capacity or working with your predecessor in some capacity?
1: I, I wasn't, I, I got, as I, as you mentioned, I got my degree, uh, from, from Berkeley in environmental science, um, after I was actually chemical engineering for three years before oh. I, I transferred into, uh, environmental science. And after I graduated, I decided I wanted to pursue some more creative, uh, options and, I took some sculpture classes and some more painting classes and then actually theater. I studied pretty intensively for four years after college. Uh, But while I was doing that, I was also waiting tables and bartending. Um, I actually was not working at Chez Panisse, but at the little tapas bar next door, Cesar. And... uh, it was there that I was introduced to my first mentor, uh, Ariella Chazar. Oh yeah. And yeah, she's and she remains to this day a, a, a dear friend and source of inspiration and information, and she's she's just amazing. Anyway, she's the one who told me about the assistant position. Uh, with Carrie Glenn at Chez Panisse. Okay. so it was as her like I would let buckets for her and process ranunculus and sweep the floor and um, that kind of thing. It was it was as her assistant that I started fishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fishing cut plants out of the out of the dumpster.
0: So this was about ten years ago, and
1: oh gosh, it was actually about fifteen now.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And you th- then talk talk to us about the transition from from being her assistant to then taking it over and putting your own kind of mark on it and growing your your floral and garden work from there.
1: Yeah, I worked with Carrie for almost three years, I think, mm-hmm. um, and she at when I. I think at the point she retired, she had been doing the flowers there for over 34 years. She retired at 70, and mm. um, I mean, her her work was was just transcendent. Just uh, I mean, I can still very clearly see arrangements that she did while while I was helping her. They were just brilliant. And it it was after she retired that that they offered me the the position there. Wow. That's the florist,
0: those are some that, great shoes to step into, huh?
1: Yeah, no, and and <laughs> I still I still wonder about measuring up to them,
0: honestly. <laughs> <laughs> i I'm not worried, and clearly they weren't either. Max Gill is a seasonal, locally inspired gardener, floral designer, and creative. He's sharing with us today about his floral journey. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a break. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. We're back from a break to hear more about Max Gill's garden and floral design journey story. Floral and event designer, teacher, and advocate, Max is perhaps best known for his compelling weekly floral arrangements and installations at Alice Waters Chez Panisse restaurant in Berkeley, California. Welcome back. In your own work, as you look back now and and through i just i love creative journey stories because they mm. are so winding and and layered and there there's such richness in that i think that that leads mm. to the creative results that people bring when you absolutely yeah when you look at your own path especially maybe in those these last 13 years where you were mentoring with her and then you took over do you see a maturation arc that that is noticeable or interesting to you and and any surprises that came out as you kind of have found and continued experimenting with your own design identity
1: mm, mm. yeah i mean i so i I definitely I definitely think that I'm still learning and mm. and I'm still um, exploring what my work is and mm. will be. Um, and I, I'm very grateful to have that opportunity at Chez Panisse. And mm. it really, more than any of the other kinds of work I do, is... The perfect platform for that inquiry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Keeping things sort of seasonal and local are my only prerequisites.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and everything else, I get to, I get to pick and choose. Yeah. So I, I mentioned uh, theater. That I studied theater pretty intensively for about four years after mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. And that's actually had a huge um, influence on my on the arc you speak of. Um, my teacher was old school Russian, and it was a very European approach to the work. And um, we studied uh, art history. Uh, for an understanding of creating a picture on stage. We had to study ballet for movement. We studied um, vocal production and diction very intensively. I think we spent almost two years working solely on a doll's house. Wow. <laughs> um, but she maintained, and I found it a very compelling um Concept that all all temporal arts follow parallel trajectories, so that an education and uh, pursuit uh, in one really sort of organizes your brain um, to help you appreciate and to uh, inform your inquiry into another. I've found that there's actually quite a few of the principles that that she outlined for us that apply to floral design as well. Hmm. You know, the uh, idea of creating uh, a picture on stage, that there's these sort of overreaching lines that um, direct the audience's eye to a focal point on stage. And then there's gestures and... Uh, movement that guides their eye around the stage, um, that absolutely can be translated into three-dimensional space, uh, into floral arranging. So I'd say my first couple of years doing floral design, mm-hmm. it was really sort of exploring this, these principles, this idea of taking these these two-dimensional principles into three-dimensional space. There's a huge amount of that time too that has been devoted just to um, really understanding what those principles were for me and really uh, working on how I approach an arrangement Mm
2: -hmm.
1: with given materials. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, just like uh, acting, floral design is almost always done under duress at least at, at the professional level mm-hmm. um you know I, I long gone are the days of sort of having fun with it in my kitchen <laughs> it's now <laughs> it's now for alice waters at Chez nice or we forgot to tell you the mayor of Leon is having dinner downstairs. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, make it good. Or it's a Martha Stewart shoot, or you're on a hilltop in Sonoma making a bridal bouquet in the wind and sun. It's, it's, it's just under all these sort of extreme conditions and with a much different, um, set of expectations and parameters. So having that That those principles to fall back on, having this way that I approach a design um, independent of what's going on, is is really helpful. It's just a a great thing to fall back on. Um, You know, my acting teacher used to talk in terms of raising your level of default. (laughs) And and I feel like... That's a good
2: goal, actually. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, that is what I spent... Quite a few years doing. It's really only recently that I'm I'm playing a little bit or exploring um, how to really capture uh, a moment in time that, mm-hmm. that I experience, uh, or or it's by happy accident that I discover some new shape or new spatial relationship that I find compelling,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, for many, many years. And sometimes you can still even see it on my, like on my Instagram account at the restaurant that it's all different elements every single time, but, Oh, Hey, there's that same old shape again. <laughs> so, or there's this same spatial relationship between the branches and flowers or, yeah. um, so i i i really am still working to try to mix that up in in a way that still feels harmonious and still honors the the principles i find so valuable yeah did that answer the question
0: oh yeah no that okay. was that was beautiful and i there are a couple of of things i want to follow up on in that one is i really really hope that there's at least an occasional opportunity where it's just Max having fun in his kitchen still. I'm going to just hold on to that as my own personal fantasy. Yeah, totally. You know, even in a private life, so much like we want to think we're going to leisurely take time in the garden to pick our elements and then... Oh my God. But but in most cases, we're all busy. And so it's really, you know, sort of 5.15 and guests are arriving at six and I need to get something on the table. And so there is this stress, but that raising your default sounds like yeah a really good goal for for any one of us and and the importance of trying to carve out time at least mm. every now and then for that just play in the kitchen is so so essential walk us through like the 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 tangible steps without the stress and worrying about whether the mayor or of anything is coming <laughs> um for say your last Big big bouquet uh arrangement at Chez Panisse. Just mm. like, where you went to get your flowers, how you started to put them together, what the different plant foliage, floral elements were, and and how that really spoke to you and you hoped whoever was seeing it about time and um regionality. Because I I love the way you articulated that in terms of you know, when we put these things together, we are so often trying to get to the essence of a moment in time in a place.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, regardless of of the week, um, you know, I'm I'm. It. I start with some inspiration somewhere. So that can be at the flower market that I encounter a bucket of, of something that's particularly beautiful to me for whatever reason. Um, that can be in my garden, uh, that can be in nature. Uh, I mean, I have very, very strict foraging parameters. It's mm-hmm. also completely illegal in Berkeley. So, um, there's actually a, <laughs> Berkeley has an anti-foliage molestation ordinance, and yes, they do call it that.
0: <laughs> but I kind of agree with them in some places. I absolutely, yeah, absolutely I do. do. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, the only – I I'm am guilty of maybe harvesting um, blackberry off chain link fences from time to time. Um, if I have a neighbor that I know hedges – I just feel like I'm helping. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, yes, mostly foraging is about creating relationships with people who will let you cut in their garden. So uh, most recently, uh, I was very inspired by uh, some Tanjutica clematis seed pods Mm. that were growing up my apple tree uh and and late in the season too. so they had really fuzzed out they were really cottony and that's what i based everything else around <laughs> um so uh for working at the restaurant it's really important to have something structural um so I, that means branches um, the seed pods in the center of them had a little something plummy going on. So I um, got some some good tall uh, branches with plummy foliage, some abelia at mm-hmm. the flower market. Mm. Um, I had some nandina that I foraged or cut from my neighbor's nandina, which is also nice and uh, it's like a really deep, bricky bricky plummy color um then uh they have the last of the local lisianthus there's this sort of new fashion lisianthus mm-hmm. that are sort of beigey it was it was really that simple um it was just a, a, a four element arrangement uh, and those are often my, my favorite honestly and it's also interesting if i think about it too i'm i'm really like i plan an arrangement at the restaurant very much the same way i would plan a, a vignette in my own garden mm-hmm. um that you kind of want something something tall and branchy something sort of short and shrubby something like floral and focal and then there's there's room for some vine there and there's a way that those those four, you know, sometimes five, elements can coexist in harmony, um, and they're also sort of just the the right um, the right grouping of of elements to use in an arrangement. So I'm often trying to sort of emulate how I plant.
0: Yeah, and. So when you started this description, you mentioned really being inspired by the clematis going up your apple tree. Do you often find that your inspiration for a, a piece of work will come from like one key point that then leads off into others the, the way you describe it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah. And, and, you know, I mentioned struggle at the beginning of our talk and, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, if that, that element happens to be something I saw growing at a nursery, um, I can't tell you how many times I've purchased something that, um, you know, I thought was special or new or hadn't seen before, Uh, cut it and used it in the restaurant and then put it in the dirt and got it all happy. And, you know, that next year when it started growing again, I was like, Oh, you're just, you're the regular kind. (laughs) (laughs) But there was something about the stress of being in the pot, maybe too long that had the foliage or the fruit be a little more refined or or off in color you know, perhaps a little more chartreusey or have some sort of blushy uh, edging on the leaves, or had it, um, you know, reaching for the light in some way. Yeah. There's there's something about that struggle. There's something about the challenge um, when they're just trying to get what they need to grow. Um, that is particularly compelling, that that tends to give the branches a little more interesting shape or arch or a different sort of grace. Interesting. And I Yeah. yeah and I really I, I think that's I just find so many appropriate metaphors for right. my, my right. own process of right. the garden. <laughs> yeah. I, or in life
0: know. in general, you know, that yeah. that struggle does actually bring out some of our like talents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more
1: refined qualities.
0: If you're just joining us, my guest today on Cultivating Place is Max Gill, floral designer and educator. His experiences doing the flowers for the likes of Chez Panisse restaurant for the past decade offer wonderful lessons for us all preparing to do flowers this holiday season. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a break. is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. We're back now from a break to hear more about the creative floral design path of Max Gill. Welcome back. Do you almost always use the same vessel or do you change vessels to get different heights? How how does that, and and how do you generally, because the the work you do at Chez Panisse is pretty big, so how are you securing your materials into whatever your vessel Ah, might be?
1: So you know, I, I I've been using the same vessel at Chez Panisse since since I started there. The same vessels. Um, I switch them out upstairs from time to time, mm-hmm. um, but the downstairs vessels I, I inherited from from Carrie actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I actually love that that I am working in the same space and with the same vessels, the same parameters over and over again. And it's, I love that because that for, for me is how I develop, um, a, a sense of comfort and a sense of familiarity that allows me to explore other possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can rely on my event work, uh, literally event to event for, for the sort of variation that, that I crave and and need in terms of what kind of vessel or the the medium of the vessel or the theme or the palette. Um, And at at the restaurant uh, it is like, I have a lot of airspace. (laughs) I I get a lot of real estate to play in. Mm -hmm. So you really need a vessel with a good big mouth Um, and Beautiful vessels with large mounds are are a little harder to find than you would think mm-hmm. and and these are 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 quite beautiful that are there, so I'll probably keep using them until they they are no longer <laughs> for the world. Right. My mechanics at the restaurant are um, a big huge heavy old school frog, a big oh angry rusty frog. <laughs> Uh and one of those old school flower cages, like a big one that you that they don't make anymore, that you can only get at flea markets and garage sales. Mm -hmm. Um for event work I I use a lot of chicken wire, um, or sometimes floral frogs if if possible. But um I I really, 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 really try at all I'll I'll I really try not to use any floral foam yeah. of any kind yeah. <laughs> for any reason. Um, there, There's usually an event or two or an installation or two a year that that sort of require it. But other than that, um, yeah. I, I really try to avoid it.
0: Yeah. As you are heading into the holidays, either at home or, or in the restaurant, because I'm sure you have a lot of different events, mm. are... What what are do you have any like, inspirations you want to share with us for these next couple of weeks or or mm. focal points that you're particularly taken by this year? Yeah,
1: I mean, I just did an installation um, for a lovely client who um, that or the installation, and this is often the case in my work. I I started with the branches Uh, and then I was using bittersweet Yeah. um, that when it opens, there's a small sort of really red, red orange berry in um, like a kind of gold yellow pod and the the pod pops open and you see the little red berry. And once the bittersweet's old enough, the, the, the shell, the pod, falls off and it's just the red berries and I love things super simple like uh, two element compositions are some of my favorite mm. and so I use these old gnarly old growth hazelnut branches that uh, the forager at the market sold me at that and bittersweet and I was done I wanted to be finished and yeah. um you know, of course the, the client wanted wanted the the whole shebang. <laughs> so um you know, there's a way that that I always feel like I have to ruin it now with flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: what flowers did you put in that?
1: Uh well for these in particular I used amaryllis.
0: Oh pretty. Uh
1: which yeah, it's it's I I think amaryllis with sort of a, a very wintery Foil is is a really beautiful thing to do.
0: What color um, were the amaryllis?
1: They were also that sort of orangey red. They were actually also double amaryllis.
0: Okay. So um, you didn't ruin it. It actually came together beautifully.
1: It came together, but I – so that's sort of my, a long way of saying, left to my own devices,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I really love florals to be simple. And – um as sort of not self-conscious as possible. That's, that's absolutely like a term that Carrie used to use about, (laughs) about my work, that Mm. it feels too self-conscious. So I, and I I really know what she meant by that too. Uh, So again, left to my own devices, I I really like things to feel simple. Um, Sometimes once you add all the foliage and flowers and, it can just feel like it's demanding attention or it can feel like it. I guess what I'm saying is that it's nice if the flowers sort of accent the space or the the installation accents the space. And very often once you add flowers or too many flowers or too many different kinds of flowers, it, again, it just sort of demands too much attention or it's too sort of stimulating to the eye. Yeah. It it doesn't um, complement the space. It sort of commands the space.
0: I absolutely know what, what you're talking about when you say that. And there is something about, um, you know, whether it is the focal point or it is s- complementing the space that mm-hmm. it's in. And, and sometimes they're noisy. They're just visually noisy um, and sometimes yes. that's called for and sometimes it's not and especially absolutely in the winter in the intimacy of a small space like the restaurant or our own homes maybe that isn't the, the look we're, we're trying to go for and knowing the difference or feeling the difference I think is a great thing to point out to people um, this time of year and, and to remind ourselves.
1: I think so too. I mean I and that is that is really something I was introduced to in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to credit Alice uh, with that. Uh, she, my feedback from her when I first started doing the flowers there was repeatedly, the flowers are too floral. <laughs> um,
0: dear flowers, and, you are too floral <laughs>
1: uh, and you know, I was guilty of using either too many flowers or too many different kinds or too many different colors. And there was a way that it, it, it was distracting. Yeah. Her goal is that people get to enjoy each other and their meal. And the flowers, again, should sort of complement the experience. So it's been interesting to really understand how to do that Um, and still keep it a point of interest or still keep them, um, you know, appropriate to this, this world-class experience that people are having. And, you know, I found that I can sort of minimize how stimulating they are by limiting the number of flowers I use or number of kinds of flowers I use specifically and the number of colors, and I can find that interest in creating interesting spatial relationships between the elements.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, so my, my work is there's often uh, monochromatic, or I'll you know use two colors. Yeah. Very, very rarely I I go for more, but sometimes I do. And sometimes, as you said, it's appropriate
0: right, and and wow. it's I think this is such a great lesson. I mean, I'm just thinking about it even for my my own home and mm-hmm. and that that balance that we're going through for, especially at the table where we're eating and socializing and hopefully very relaxed um it's a it's a it's just a great thing to think about that balance between stimulation and um complementary. Uh, for the different spaces, you know, maybe in the entry, it's something different, but at the table, it's, it's something different again. And um, I think those are, those are great lessons for us all to learn over time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's fun I, having sort of all these different, these different parts to my business, uh, you know, very often in people's homes, I, it's, it's my impulse and, and luckily with my regular clients, they trust me to, you know, to follow those, um, to keep things pretty simple. Uh very often they'll have um a lot going on already yeah, <laughs> in their home. Yeah. So something just complimentary is good. Uh in the context of a wedding, it's very often a big sterile room or a huge, you know, open space on a hillside in wine country. Uh, so you have more room to have more colors, have multiple kinds of, of flowers to have things feel a little more celebratory and it, then it, it feels uh, like appropriate to the space and to the occasion.
0: I'd like to end with a question to you about, and I think you've touched on this to some extent, but. For you, whether it's at home or at an event or in your garden or Chez Panisse, what brings you the greatest joy in this work? And mm. and then connect that a little bit for me to why do you think it's important in this world in a bigger way?
1: Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, there's still – I still love to um, find – Find the right pairing, you know. I it still is super joyful to me to find things that just pop together, you know, that really fit. Um, that it, it is neck and neck, though, with the community of people I share this profession with. Mm. Um, that you learn really quickly that if you want to make a living doing this work, you can't do it alone (laughs) (laughs) you really need need support um so i i i I share this profession with a lot of really lovely wonderful people and as you probably know um most of them plant people and and plant people tend to be really good people Mm -hmm. Mm um but there I still just love to as you mentioned earlier you said I hope you still get time to play in the kitchen and and I definitely do that has definitely been a very deliberate effort on my part and and only in recent years have I really understood that it's important for me to get back to where the whole thing started yeah that being able to play with with elements and just find A few things that go together in a way that um, I can't explain it. If there's just a a certain sense of accomplishment or contentment Mm -hmm. that happens when I find um, the right placement of the right elements in the right vase. uh, That's just so. That's still very joyful for me. Um, and you know, I, I also think that, um, and, and I've, you know, thought about this a lot actually in, in a lot recently, um, that it's super like the, the appreciation of beauty and the pursuit of it, uh, is important (laughs) Mm -hmm. in challenging times. It's, it's more important than, than ever. Um, and I, I think that's evident historically, uh, you know, in times of, of, um, sociopolitical unrest, um, that, People rely on the arts more than ever for um, distraction for pleasure for joy um,
0: and 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 you talk about you know that it's important for distraction for pleasure for relaxation but i I also see it coming back and i i, I so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but mm. it's coming back to something you said earlier about how the garden recalibrates your nervous system and it seems to me like this is it. That pursuit of beauty in this way recalibrates our nervous system and helps us cope, manage, and hopefully face some of what's happening in our world.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, that's what I was getting to is that there's just a way that's healing and there's just a way that uh, sharing it with others is healing as well. I guess that's what I hope to do in my efforts at, at teaching uh, in workshops and at demonstrations is just if any of what I've learned over all the many facets of my career is helpful or something that someone else can take away to um Deepen their experience of the work. Um, then that's that's my goal. Yeah, I hope to to share that that joy as best I can.
0: Thank you so much for being a guest on the program today. It's been an honor to speak with you.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was this was great fun.
0: Max Gill is a gardener and floral designer. After receiving his degree in environmental science from UC Berkeley, Max went on to become a floral designer who draws from all of his greatest passions—gardening, sculpture, painting, art and theater history—to create his floral art. Originally from upstate New York, Max has called the Bay Area home for almost 35 years. He is well known for his work at Chez Panisse Restaurant, where he has done the flowers for over a decade. Informed by natural processes, Max's work is distinguished by his reliance on specialty blooms and botanical rarities gleaned from local growers, his own formidable cut flower garden in North Berkeley, and a long list of Bay Area nurseries. Tomorrow is the winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere. Things just get lighter from here. But don't rush on to that just yet. I hope this luxurious moment of possibility for quiet, And long darkness allows you to take some time to play creatively in your kitchen with flowers, greens, stems, and branches of this season to reconnect and recalibrate your own nervous system, ballast for the days, weeks, the year to come. Happy solstice, winter or summer to you all. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio. To make your tax-deductible contribution of support to Cultivating Place, follow the support links at the top right-hand corner of any page at cultivatingplace.com. As we look toward the end of the year, Thank you to everyone who has so generously made contributions in support of producing the program this year. You truly make this program possible. Thank you. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Our engineer is Sky Schofield. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX. Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.